you. I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Hey, you guys, and welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. You are with your host, Michelle Gifford, today, and my special guest, who do you think it is? It's our girl, Sarah Allred. Hooray! (laughs) Hooray! We are so excited to, well, I'm so excited to be interviewing Sarah right now because we have had multiple requests from you, our favorite people, the ones who listen to us. And we have had multiple requests to interview each other because we haven't been able to have like a linear story of this whole girl behind the microphone, Sarah Allred. And let me just be there. And it's fascinating. You're missing fascinating stuff. (laughs) I'm just, you're on the edge of your seat. Sarah Allred is the best, the best. And when I, she is She's going to blow your mind is all there is to it, right? Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Pressure's on. We haven't even started. Oh. There's no pressure because you, you're enough, Sarah. Everything you've done that speaks for itself. So Sarah, let's just start out. I want to talk to you about first, just like give us an overview of your entrepreneurial. Oh, no one should say that word, but tell us about your journey. <laughs> oh man. So I have always kind of had that spunk to do more and to it, it, it all, if I was like, can we be honest, right from the beginning, it was all centered around trying to provide more for my family financially. That was really my goal. That's how I like gauged success on whether, whether my efforts were worth it was, is this bringing cash flow in to my family? I started teaching piano lessons individually. That's like the first business I ever had was teaching piano lessons because I love music so much. And then it has grown into way more elaborate and complicated things and meaningful things. And it's been a really crazy, fun, failure, success, you name it. Every word in the book surrounds my entrepreneurial. Are we really going to use that? <laughs> that was better. Sarah does it better than I do. Better Journey. But, but truthfully, if I think back to it, um, it all comes down to my husband, Greg. Everything comes down to my husband, Greg. He's the best. You know, Greg. It really came down to 2009. 2009 was the big kind of fork in the road for me because I had been teaching high school band, high school marching band. I hail from Skyview High School in Smithfield, Utah. I had taught there for, I was on my third year and I got pregnant with my first baby and sweet little Macy um, was on her way and I ended up quitting my job there at the high school so I could be home with her. And what happened was I suddenly had a husband who was recognizing he had a wife at home all day who was sad. Who <laughs> was sad. And I, you know, you got to just put it out there and say, I did not know what I had jumped into. And that first baby, I tell you what, it doesn't matter if you have one or if you have nine, that first baby is such the game changer. And it was for me. I had moved from teaching high school band where if you are a bandy, this is going to 
feel all warm and fuzzy to you, but I was in this job in which I was constantly in front of judges and constantly being assessed and trophies and first place, second place, third place, and best visual, best music, like all this stuff. I was constantly being told where my efforts were, were succeeding. And I was constantly being fed that and appreciated in a way. And, and, and I could visibly see the difference that I was making in students' lives and in competition and all those things. And all of a sudden, it literally changed overnight with a baby, where all of a sudden I felt like I was in this world where I had no idea what I had to offer. And I would look at this sweet baby and I loved her and I just didn't know what to do with her. I just stared at her and was like, am I doing a good job? I don't know what I'm doing. And so my husband <laughs> looked and saw that this struggle that I was having. And like many stories, he was sensitive to it. And he bought me two things. He bought me a fancy camera and he bought me a photography class. And that's what exploded into my desire to create and then eventually go into business with it. And here we are. Here we are. Um, Sarah, 2009, is that true? Do you know that's when I got the, I was pregnant with Gunner at the same time. Really? We didn't know we each other. Know each other. <laughs> we should have. I wish we would have. Oh my gosh. But this is better. It's okay. So since that time when you had a camera, you, here's the thing about Sarah is she's pretty gutsy, right? Because there's some things like you, I know that, so you were in the student housing and stuff, right? In medical school, right? You were over there. And even then you did some gutsy things about your pricing. I feel like, right. You started appealing to higher end clientele. And so your prices were pretty, pretty bold. And even, even now with, with photographer, the photographer's element, you've done some pretty gutsy things with pricing in different ways, but you are gutsy. You are gutsy. I'll take it. I like it. So I kind of want to know um, what's behind that. I want to know, like dive deep, how you have the guts to do it your way. I hope that I can be known as gutsy and not somebody who railroads or someone who thinks of oh, business is business and I'll sacrifice all things. Like I hope that I can be known as gutsy. That is a positive term in my brain. And thank you. I feel I feel awesome if that's how I can be viewed. So I think a lot of what the gutsiness comes from, especially when I was in Arizona, that's where I met Michelle when my husband was in med school, it was because the time that was being spent to produce those photographs and to produce that education was incredibly valuable. And I, I don't know if I've been blessed with foresight that way or something, but the reality is I knew very specifically that time was being spent away from my children, not just me going out shooting, but during the time I was with them, sometimes I wasn't present because I was like mulling over business things in my brain, that I simply had to price things in a way that it it spoke of value to me. And that does not mean that as a photographer in Arizona, I was shooting twice a week. And sometimes I wasn't even shooting once a week. Sometimes I was shooting twice and twice a month. But the reality was, is because I had priced myself in a way, um, I was able to go in there and give my whole heart and soul to these clients and, and real high-end clients and really high-end services. Um, but in the end, I could come home very peacefully 
because the financial stability that was brought in, because when your husband's in med school, they don't get paid, just public service announcement right there. They do not get paid. Okay. You actually have to pay them a whole lot of money. <laughs> right. It's so true. So I had to, it always had to feel worth it to me. And time away from family is valuable time that you've got a price right, or that's where the exhaustion and the burnout and those kind of feelings come in. So I feel like a lot of my gutsiness with pricing has been centered around how that time is spent. I think you need to talk more about this. I have, I have a lot of questions now, but I'm, because this is not your way of thinking as, especially as a photographer, but even people who are just starting in business, no matter what it is, they common across the board do not value themselves enough. Right. Right. So what would you tell them? What would you tell them? What's your advice here? Because so many people are doing this. So this is a lack of vision. If you do not think that you are valued enough to charge what your time is worth. And I'm not saying that you're charging a thousand dollars an hour, but you're maybe charging a hundred dollars an hour and that feels scary to you. hundred dollars an hour probably feels scary to most entrepreneurs that are just starting out. You either have a lack of vision of who you are or you have a lack of skill. And I think both things simply require work. Either you're working with the Lord to help understand who you are and how valuable this is. And that way, just like in Michelle's podcast, we talked about having confidence in your path. You need to work that out with Heavenly Father and that takes work. Awesome, that's great. But second, if you have a lack of skill, you've gotta get out there and learn it. I was not, my first clients as a photographer were not paying $3,000 for a family session. And that's truly, by the time I got to Arizona, that's what people were paying. They're paying $3,000 for a family session. No, my first sessions were not that way because I was in the middle of taking classes. So just get real with yourself and say, look, the time's going to come. You certainly don't want to price at $3,000 and it'd be like your third shoot. and You have no idea how to shoot in manual. <laughs> like, <"Whoa!" laughs> that's when big, scary stuff happens. But you, once you feel like you've invested in yourself and you know that you can consistently produce quality results with customer service and your skill, that's the time to start pricing. And it makes me think so much about Elder Irene because I have this quote in my scriptures like all the time that helps me realize where the guts really come from. And this is really where they come from. He says this quote, as much as we have already built faith and courage in our hearts, the Lord expects more of us and from the generations after us. They will need to be stronger and braver because they will do even greater and harder things than we have done. And they will face increasing opposition from the enemy of our souls. Quote, I testify that the Lord goes before your face whenever you are on his errand. Sometimes you will be the angel the Lord sends to bear others up. Sometimes you will be the one surrounded by angels who bear you up. But always you will have his spirit to be in your heart as you have been promised in every sacrament service. You have only to keep his commandments. So the guts comes, I know, right? <laughs> Raise the roof, Elder Irene. The guts come because we are required to do greater and harder things than we're done, have ever been done. And like, I, like, I'm all about that kind of imagery. You know, I can do these great and hard things. And sometimes that comes with being gutsy with your pricing, which sounds kind of backwards, but it's gutsy. Do it. Well, okay. So that brought up, I love that. I love that. Thank you for that. And then, but I also, I want to touch on this because this is something I 
completely admire about you. Um, and you, you brought it up when you're describing like in before the question before, but I want to know you are very good, like very diligent at saying this is family time and nothing touches it. And I am really bad at this because my mind's going. And so, um, but you are very good at saying, you know, this is setting aside time for work and setting aside time for business. So first I would love to know like how you do that and the motivation behind that. Maybe that's why you do it and can do it so well, but just give us that insight. I, you have been deceived <laughs> is what I want to say. No, I haven't. Sarah. <laughs> this is something I work hard at. Okay. This, you do. This is, You're very good at it. This is something I certainly work at. And I do find that there are certain things that make this fall in line. And with my season of life, I have 3.5 kids. I have three kids, two are in school. There's one pregnant. Is, I'm pregnant, <laughs> almost 20 weeks, due in January. So I've got two in school for the chunk of the day. I've got a two-year-old who's napping right at this exact second. And then I've got a little baby coming in January. So there's a, there are a couple of things that help keep my my work life and my family life separated as far as where my mental energy is. The first one is going to sound really simple, but it is the all red family motto. And Michelle knows this. We talk about this nearly every time when we're trying to solve a business decision. Number one, clarity is kindness. So when I am in a partnership with Michelle or I am in a partnership with my photography team at Photographer's Element, they know when my work hours are, when I'm available, and if, an, if it's an emergency, how to reach me. But they know. They know that if they send me a message on a Saturday morning, they most likely, unless they send it the emergent way, are not going to hear from me until Monday afternoon when my kid is napping. So clarity is kindness, and this works in every situation in life. If you can have that awkward conversation up front and say, look, I want to be my very best. I want to be with you and focus and give you my 100%. Um, that's going to happen at 1 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, which is what it is right now. And so I'm able to kind of commit to that. And that really helps me be able to kind of let everything go until that time. And if I do have sparks of inspiration, I, I write on all the scratch paper around our house. And all I do is I throw it on my desk and it's right by my keyboard so that at one o'clock, when I have that business inspiration and I'm able to do something with it, it's sitting there. So I just take two, two or three seconds to write it down, put it on my desk, and I'm back with my kids. And so it's something that I try, I try to work hard on, and that's because I have serious guilt issues, like many <laughs> women, I think, many women. And so if you know that the time is coming up when you can give 100% and, and that it's there and available, then it's really great to be able to just turn your brain off and be with your kids fully. And that has helped me quite a bit. Is that silly? No, that's practical um, because you are really good at it. And it also makes it so that we can um, like to have that clarity upfront has changed everything. And also like, I think in a partnership, like just to let you in on like what happens is because like I will boxer Sarah, if I have some genius idea, I will, I will box her Sarah, but which I know is often, which is, <laughs> it is nearly constant. And, 
<laughs> and, but I know that she's not going to do it until her kids are in bed, but we're three hours apart, aren't we? Three hours? Two. We're just two hours. So that's when I can work too. Anyway, so it, it definitely works for us. But also what I think this does, like maybe you're not good at this like I am, maybe, but if you are, if you set out those expectations and tell other people who depend on you, whether that's your team or whatever, then it also keeps you pretty accountable too. So I think having the clarity upfront has made all the difference with our business. And so clarity is kindness. Kindness is clarity. Clarity is kindness. And now a small break, a word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Okay, so we talked about one gutsy business move that you've made with like your photography pricing, but let's dive into the photographer's element because the whole business model was a little bit gutsy, right? We, you know, we've talked about that. I want to talk about that. And then I want to know about your recent change. Well, about a year and a half. Is that when you made the big change? So, yeah. so tell us more about the photographer's element, what it is and um, the idea behind that. The photographer's element is a full blown top to bottom photography education site. And the great part is, is you can learn photography from top to bottom without breaking the bank. It's totally affordable. And that was a big part of our messaging with the photographer's element was being able to offer really high quality. I mean, we're talking like top of the line photography classes for people who don't even know how to turn their camera on to do it for a really affordable price. So really at the time that I created the photographer's element, which was five years ago, my husband was gonna be away for five months straight and I knew Netflix was only gonna spawn me off for a short period of time. So then I decided to start this business and was I had a guide, I had a mentor named Brooke Snow who really helped me a lot through the process. And the whole idea behind it was to be able to offer a curriculum that went in order literally went from beginning photography, you don't know how to turn your camera on, and by the time you finish your 18th class with us, you are shooting weddings, or you're photographing newborns, or seniors, you name it. So it was really to fill in everything from business stuff to advanced photography to psychological stuff about what your style is. I mean, the whole gamut, that was the whole idea behind it. And when I launched it, we had a successful launch but it was a copycat of two of the other big competitors in the photography education site. We pretty much 
kind of copied about what their pricing was, but undercut it a little bit and tried to be strategic that way. And we started selling everything class by class by class by class. And that worked for a number of years. And then the industry was evolving. As more people were teaching, um, we started to notice some changes in, in numbers and in income and all these different things. And so we took the gutsy move to turn it into a membership site. So now we have these 18 classes that are all in a row and our members, our VIP members can take any of those classes at any time. They have access to it 24 seven and they pay like 50 bucks a month. Like that's it. Pay 49 bucks a month and they have access to everything. And that was a huge game changer for our, our approach to, to, to photography and to trying to offer something new in the industry and it was scary and some people were mad because they'd invested thousands of dollars in the photography education classes before and then we were switching and that's always real fun to deal with those kinds of elements but it was the right move and that's currently where we are right now is a membership site and it has worked well it has worked well and a lot of what has worked well about it is society has changed in the sense of pe people being able to show up at a specific time and place especially when you're serving an international audience as well and so this has really brought a lot to the market as far as people being able to access the courses that they want when they want them for a price that is affordable for nearly everybody that's wanting to learn so that's been our our move <laughs> well, and you really, you are, were kind of above the curve when it came to membership sites. So let's kind of talk a little bit businessy for a minute. Why do you think membership sites are so big right now? And, and who do you think is the right person for a membership site, like to build or to have their own membership site? Yeah, so this is, this is a really complicated issue. We looked at it for almost eight months before we decided to make the big switch and let our members know or our future members know that we were doing that switch. And there's a couple of things that you have to keep in mind when you do membership. One, you start to lose the direct contact you used to have with all of your rock star clients. When you, when you start to offer things that are just there and sitting there and they can log in, you miss a lot of that interaction. And I am sad about that. That was the hardest thing for me to let go. The whole point of TPE was to offer a personalized experience and we offer less of that now than we ever have. And that's heartbreaking and hard for me, but it's the reality of what we needed to do. Second is people are less concerned about ownership now. Back five years ago, people really wanted to own stuff and download stuff. Now people want access. They care less about ownership. And so for us to be able to just say, look, you can access this where we can add new classes, we can take classes away, stuff like that. They're used to that because most people have Netflix or most people have Audible or most people have what are the Pandora and all that kind of stuff. Like there are many ways in which you as a consumer are showing that you care less about owning something. And the great thing for a business person to consider is if you feel like you have so many products that you're constantly trying to fight on which one you're going to promote and make your big thing. And that's something that we ran into um, the past couple of years before we switched. This is cool because it narrows it and you're able to just promote one thing. So twice a year we promote our membership here, 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 here. We push, 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 gain new members. And then we're able to relax, create new content and nurture those members that we have. And because of my growing family, it fit perfectly 
um, with what I was trying to accomplish at home so that I was spending less time marketing 18 classes year round. Yeah, and that's what I really love about your approach to being a business mom is that you make your business work around like your stage of life because I think it's important to talk about that, especially with our viewers like or listeners that in different stages, our businesses look differently, you know, and that's okay is to recognize that, you know, if you're a stay at home mom, it's okay to not scale big, you know, you need, you know, you have teeny kids at home. And, and that's kind of how both of our businesses have gone is that they've developed into different things as our needs and availability, you know, with our kids has, has changed. Uh, well, I want to talk about like, you're doing all this business stuff and, you know, you've started this business when you've been in Louisiana and, um, I know what it's like to be the wife of a resident and it's lonely and it's hard. Um, but you had the extra piece of being super far away from people Robbie did his in, my husband did his in Arizona. So we are still very close. So how has that been? Because, you know, do being a business owner and a mom can be lonely anyway. Like, you know, it can be like, you're not this you're you don't fit into maybe the play groups or, you know, whatever. Um, so how has it been for you? You want me to be totally honest? <laughs> I want you to lie, Sarah. <laughs> I'm actually hoping that you would lie. <laughs> you want me to sugarcoat this? <laughs> no. <clears throat> um, this is a fascinating question because living in the South has been an extraordinary experience. My, my best friends here are my neighbor right next to me and right across the street from me. Um, and they are not members of my faith, but they are Christian through and through. And the biggest challenges that I have had while in Louisiana have been with people of my faith. What? <laughs> what is happening? And that was a massive surprise for me. And it also has been a really big challenge here. Uh, there's no secret that Greg's schedule is insane. Absolutely insane. I know you've lived it and you keep telling me it's going to improve. And <laughs> if you are lying, so help me. <laughs> Um, but it is insane. And so, yes, very, very much so we, you know, heads up, we're going to be talking about self-care in the podcast and self-care is my, my businesses in many ways are my self-care. It's something that progresses me. It's something that keeps me connected with people that buoy me up like you and my team at TPE. It's very much a self-care thing for me. And so how, how do I answer how this has been for me? It's been awesome for me to um, enhance my relationships across the world with listeners and with my wonderful business partner, Michelle, and making those adjustments at TPE. It's kept, it's kept my gutsy heart going and, and have things to focus on. But the, the church aspect here has been really hard really hard. And that has been very discouraging for me. And I've been a little bit open about this um, previously, but the reality is, is you looked at before I moved here to Louisiana and I've been a Relief Society president twice. I've been a young women's president once. I've been a primary president twice. I have spoken all across the West teaching youth and, and women and just really thrived that way and felt very valued. And that has not been my experience here. I have felt very hidden. I have felt very forgotten. I mean, we're like painting this very dreary scene. 
and there have been some very dreary moments. Um, but oh my word, I, I just was speaking to my neighbor about this. I said, I don't know if I ever in my life would have developed the strength of this kind of empathy than through this experience. I will never be that person who's going to hear someone's having a hard time in a ward and say, well, get involved and show up to Relief Society. That's never going to be me ever again. <laughs> I'm never going to say those things again. So I've been really, really grateful um, for those experiences, but I will be totally frank that this has been a massive challenge for me. So what would you tell the listener who feels alone? Because I think no matter what, every one of the listeners has felt alone, you know, and what would you tell them? I think the first thing that, that like, practically speaking, this is going to sound silly, is that it is easier to be a member of the church when you are visible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mocking presidents and auxiliary leaders or in no shape or form, but I think it is easier to be a member of the church when you're visible. And so for those people who are feeling alone, a video was just put out on LDS.org about those who feel alone, which I just bawled and watched and drank everything in. And one of the things that he said in that video is to assume that if you've been mistreated or if you felt like you've been forgotten, that it is either a misunderstanding or second, someone being flat out unkind. And I thought that that was kind of bold. (laughs) I like bold things. And sometimes I think that that's a nurturing experience to think about um, our own loneliness and to think, you know what, this is an experience for me to be on the receiving end of someone being rude. And what am I going to take home from that? And how am I going to change and raise my kids differently and act in a ward differently because someone has been rude? How, how am I going to handle that? And I, I thrive off of challenges like that. I've got a lot of energy behind experiences like that that help me realize what this is really teaching me because my favorite quote when we talk about the quest is, what is the point? What is, this is the point. This is the point. And you always think, gosh, the hardest years are the teenage years or the college years. And no, 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 no. I disagree. I just think, all of life, the point is to grow and to empathize and to love. And this is one of my, this has been one of my challenges to help me really reach out to those people. So how are you going to not continue that cycle as someone who is alone? How are you visibly going to reach out and see people who may be feeling what you're feeling right now? And the Lord needs you. And it's kind of what ministering, I mean, if our church does visiting teaching, right? And visiting, but now it's changed to ministering where it's less about numbers, less about checking things off the list and, and really an emphasis on praying. I mean, president Nelson just gave the talk on personal revelation. And I think it's why it's because with a change in, in the change into ministering instead of visiting teaching, um, it really comes down to, are we really caring for people? And are we, I don't know, you know, and then, and then less people are going to get lost and feel alone and feel invisible. So I love this. And it makes me think of, I was taking a religion class at BYU and Richard Holtzoffel, one of the greatest religion professors of all time there at BYU, we were talking about polygamy of all things. 
and I'm not going to bring up polygamy. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> we will now dissect. <laughs> Day, he was, <laughs> I visually remember this. We had chalkboards back then, by the way. So he was up at the chalkboard starting to do this diagram about polygamy, helping us understand something. And I have no idea what he was writing on the board. Okay. I just remember him drawing these big rectangles and all of a sudden in the middle of class, he stops. He's got his back to us. He stops. He puts the chalk down and he turns around and he's got, if you know Holtzhussel, he tears up in class when he talks about the savior. Okay. I would not be surprised if that man has walked with the savior with, with his testimony and he's all welled up, you know, he's six foot three and he's got these tears rolling down his face. And he said, none of this matters. And we all like, wait, we're wanting to learn about polygamy. Like give us some answers here, you know? <laughs> and he just choked up and through his tear filled voice, he said, none of this matters if we haven't learned to be kind to one another. And this, this is back like in 2003. I mean, this is like 15 years ago. This man was seeing the writing on the wall and the purpose for ministering. And that has been so much at my core of none of this matters if we have not learned to be kind to one another. And as I've developed a lot of those thoughts, my if, like if I could pinpoint a message to women who feel like they've sinned, they've made mistakes, they are crummy at getting to church on time, their kids are a mess, they, you know, they're whatever, like all those things, whatever your past is, whatever your current situation is, the church needs you. The church needs you with your mistakes. The church needs you with your loneliness. The church needs you with your scarred stories of, of abuse and of turmoil and of loneliness. Like the church needs it. So often when I was a missionary back in 2004, our message was, here's why you need the church. You need the church. The church changes from the inside out. Come to church. You need the church. And you'll see that has totally changed now. And it's that the church needs you. What could a young woman leader offer who had struggled with loneliness and an eating disorder and who had been divorced? What could that young woman leader offer to a group of young women? A lot. A lot. So when you're sitting there feeling lonely, remember that the Lord may be making your life crummy and hard and, and lonely so that later you can reach out to one person that you'd be a game changer for. Like be a visionary. That's why we talk so much about being a visionary because you know this, I've said this before, the Lord will move mountains for one person and you may be the person that's being moved right now. And so be a visionary and consider that person that he's moving around and making your life turmoil for because <laughs> that person will be forever grateful. And I, we talk about this a lot with the quest, you know, like um, when we say you have enough to start and, and I, you're not going to be the same at the end, but that you have enough to start because, because through the atonement, all the stuff, all the stuff that we've gone through 
can be made useful tools in the kingdom. So I love it, Sarah. Preach. Well, (laughs) I'll preach one more thought that's going to humanize me down to the bone because I sit here and talk about all my confidence with pricing and moving to a membership and rah, rah, rah. (laughs) Here is one of my most mental moments ever. Okay. I remember that it was a time in medical school. It was the second year of med school. So if you remember what the second year of med school was like, it's the worst academically. Okay. And I saw my husband for 40 minutes a day for a whole year total, Saturdays and Sundays included. Okay. 40 minutes a day for a dinner break. And it was the worst. And that is when I started to discover my first experiences with real depression and what that looked like and felt like and all that kind of stuff. And I remember being on the phone and bawling to my sister. I have three sisters who are my dearest friends and I'm bawling to her. And do you know what my biggest worry was? And you were going to die laughing. My biggest worry was that if I went to go get help, like to a doctor for my <laughs> illness, that somehow my church leaders would find out and it would follow me through life and that my husband, Greg, would not be able to serve in certain callings because he had a mental wife. What the heck? Sarah, I'm not laughing because I, I guarantee that is not, like that is, you're not the only one, right? I, well, it, it's, I mean, I say it now and I'm like, oh, I was so mental. And the reality was, is we're all mental. <laughs> but I was in such a place that my, I thought that I, that we were going to be excluded from being on the Lord's front lines, which is a big deal for us. We want to be there on the front lines because I was having depression that I was going to be excluded. And I tell you what, in the words of Sherry Dew, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is inclusive. The gospel of Jesus Christ is inclusive and ministering is going to make that happen. And you in your loneliness are going to be the people that are going to make that happen. So can you tell me, have you had experiences where you've been able to use that hard time or a hard time? And you know, exactly like this, this has helped someone. My hard thing has helped someone. I sure hope so. I, I often wonder if we'll be surprised of our impact and our reach later on, but I, I certainly have had private moments from emails and from DMs and from even just with our podcast, you know, you think this funny little podcast of ways that that has impacted, but more than anything, and this is probably the most rewarding thing to me. It has completely altered how I raise my kids and how I teach them about mental illness. It is an open book discussion in our house and how we talk about it and how we help others and how we're aware and the language we use, we talk about loneliness. We, you know, it just has forever changed that. And if that's the only people it impacts are my kids, I will take it. I will take it. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm excited for people to listen to this podcast because I think it opens a lot of doors because no matter what we've all felt, it might not, you know, it's all on a scale. Right. But, but we've all felt what you're, you know, you're talking about and, and we can relate to that. And we all, um, we need to hear this. Like, this is the message. And when I was, when I was preparing for, to interview Sarah, I said, you know, what's your message? And like, what do you really want to talk about? And I think it speaks volumes to who you are, that um, your message is that we need everyone. Like we need everyone on the front lines. And we really try, I like, we really try to emphasize that we want you to come 
say yes to your quest, no matter what it is, because everything's important. So Sarah, thank you for opening your heart and your business mind to us. This podcast could not happen without you. So we are so glad that you've been with us today. You're awesome, Michelle. It's been awesome and revealing. And now I'm like, (laughs) oh, will they ever talk to me again? (laughs) They're going to listen listen harder. They're taking notes. Um, but Sarah is really the best of the best. And, um, I feel so lucky to have her as my teammate and my partner in crime and in business, more, more business in crime. Right. Um, anyway, thanks you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast and we will catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the women with fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.